Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Morning. Buenos dias. And greetings, earthlings out there in the world wide web. And all non-earthlings as well. Just kidding. It's my honor to uh, share God's word with you today. And uh, as usual, you can follow along the message today, the outline through your Bible app. Or you could grab a printed outline from the box in the back. Come on now. As we enter the final stretch of 2023, we return our focus to... Oh, you knew it was going to rhyme. Come on. As we enter the final stretch of 2023, we return our focus to... Christology. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? So somebody tell me what Jesus says in Revelation 1.8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. ¿Y cómo dice en español Apocalipsis 1.8? El principio y el fin. That's right. So because Jesus is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, right? As we've been reading the Bible this year through the Bible together, we have been finding Jesus from cover to cover. That's right. Este año estamos descubriendo a Jesucristo de principio a fin because Jesus is God's logos. He's theology, right? He's the reason why the whole point, the whole purpose of the Bible is to find and to know Jesus. Amen? All right. Have you taken a look at the map of the current war in Israel? Anybody taking a look at the map? I know we're all uh, brokenhearted by the news of all the loss of life and the chaos and stuff going on over there. But has anybody taken a look at the map? I think we might have it. It's a little small, but I think you can see those three circled uh, words. You see <clears throat> Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ashdod, right? Come on, say Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashdod. Now you know Hebrew. All right. These are areas that are right there in the, in the war zone today. And the reality is not much has changed in about 3,000 years. Um, this area that, that we're looking at here on the map uh, where the war zone is, maybe you might remember reading the names of those towns recently in, uh, in 1 Samuel. And because this, these towns and the surrounding areas or what we read in, in, in the season of Samuel and the kings and the prophets. Does anybody know who lived in that area and was always at war with Israel? They were the Philistines, or if you're real country, you say Philistines, right? The Philistines, okay? These were the settlements um, of the Philistines. And they were at war with Israel then, and unfortunately, 3,000 years later, they're still not friends, right? 
Israel and the, 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 the Philistines, or this area now known as the, the, the Palestinian area, right? They're still not friends. They're still fighting today. And why am I showing you this? Does it have anything to do with the message? No, not really. But we are going to read in 1 Samuel. And what we're going to read actually took place right there, okay, in this area of Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ashdod. So believe it or not, exactly the same area where the war is happening today is where the war that we're going to read about was happening 3,000-ish years ago, okay? So... Uh, you know, uh, starting the beginning of the year, right, I was bringing you guys through Christology in kind of in order of the Old Testament events, finding Jesus, right, from cover to cover, but finding Jesus through the Old Testament stories. And over the summer, we sort of took a little break of the Old Testament sequence, and we learned about the, the three T's and the three C's and a bunch of other stuff that we also connected and found Christ through, right? But um, if you can remember back when we stopped our Old Testament sequence, does anybody remember the last message I taught you from the sequence? It was Ruth and Boaz, okay? So the time of the judges, then there was Ruth and Boaz. And um, after that period begins a brand new period in history, a pretty long period in history. Does anybody know what it was? The time of the... Kings and the prophets, right? The kings and the prophets. And we uh, begin to see Israel, the people of Israel and Judah, under the leadership of the kings and led spiritually by the prophets. Does anybody know who the first official major prophet was? Why are you so shy this morning? Come on. Samuel is right. So I want you to turn in your Bible, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, to 1 Samuel, okay? I'm going to have a few scriptures on the screen, the main ones for you, but I want you to kind of skim through with me what's going on at the beginning um, of 1 Samuel. Ready? There's so, so much Christology. There's so much of Christ we can find through the life and the story uh, of Samuel, and so let me just get started a little bit with 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, there was a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives, Panina, Panini, no, Panina, and Hannah. Very good. Panina and Hannah, and it says that Panina had children, but Hannah was unable to conceive, right? Hannah was unable to have children, and so Hannah is very upset about that, and she's, you know, she's complaining to Samuel about it, I mean to Samuel, to um, Elkanah about it, and one day she gets so, so upset, she wants children so bad that she goes in the temple, and she prays so intensely that Eli, the high priest, thinks she's drunk, but she's not drunk, she's just praying and pouring her heart out to God so much that that, that it, it, it would appear that she was, was drunk, and what she prayed was, God, give me a son, and I will dedicate him to you. I'll give him back to you. If you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. He'll be dedicated to serve in the temple for his entire life as a Nazarite, right? Now, let me just pause right there and say this. Christology, right? Lots of Christology in Samuel, but Jesus' story includes lots of women who were naturally unable to conceive, right? Okay? Jesus' story is full of that. I mean, we go all the way back to Abraham, uh, to Abram and Sarah that could not conceive, right? And God supernaturally, sovereignly enables Sarai to conceive and have children. 
Name of the child, name of the most important son there, Isaac. And then Isaac's wife. Rebecca is unable to conceive as well. They cry out to God. God supernaturally, sovereignly enables her to conceive. And then Jacob and Esau, but then Jacob has a wife, Rachel, who's also unable to conceive, and they cry out to God. And then from Jacob, from Rachel comes, yes, (laughs) Other sovereign, supernatural uh, children that make up the part, a big part of, of what becomes the nation of Israel, right? Just to name a few. And now we have Hannah, who is unable, and God gives her Samuel, very good, who becomes the first major prophet. So all of this leads up, all of these women who are naturally unable to conceive are a demonstration of God's sovereignty that he can cause what's impossible to become possible, right? Of one of the greatest, possibly the greatest, demonstration of sovereignty in history, and that is when who? Mary, the virgin Mary, conceived and gave birth to the Son of God. Come on, say Christology. We see this through the story of Hannah and Samuel, right? And another thing I see, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 2. I want to read you a scripture. It says, Samuel grew in favor, wisdom, and stature with God and with people. Does that remind you of anyone? Jesus. This is a foreshadowing as well of Jesus. Uh, this, um, if you continue to read in 1 Samuel, those first few chapters... We also begin to see that Samuel, unlike many others, was an absolutely, totally faithful priest to the Lord. He was totally faithful. Now, granted, he was imperfect. I'm not saying that there was no sin in Samuel, okay? But he, unlike many, many others, was totally and completely faithful to the Lord as a priest his entire life. Does that sound like anybody else to you? This is also a foreshadow of Jesus. Hebrews 7.24 says that Jesus is the absolutely, perfectly faithful high priest who lives forever. So Samuel is also a foreshadowing of Jesus as our high priest. Also, 1 Samuel 3, uh, we begin to see that Samuel hears audibly. Samuel can hear the word of the Lord. He can hear God speaking to him, and he speaks the word of the Lord. And let me see if you remember what it says about everything Samuel said. Every single thing Samuel said came to pass. Everything, unlike many others, right? Everything he prophesied, word for word, came to pass. Samuel is a foreshadowing of the eventual incarnation of the word of God the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that enough Christology for you yet? Okay, somebody said yes. All right, so there's more, but I'm not going to take time to go into a lot more of, of that, nor are we going to focus on any of these specific Christology connections in Samuel, because today what I want to do is take a closer look at one of the events that happened during Samuel's life. 
And often we read things and we don't connect them to Christ like we're supposed to, right? This is one of those stories, if you just kind of read through it and don't really take um, a moment to meditate on it, you won't see what's there. But Christ is found so clearly, the gospel, the good news is found so clearly in this story that we're going to read today. Let me just give you a little bit more, okay, before we actually get to our, uh, our passage we're going to read together. All of this can be found in 1 Samuel 4, 5, 6, and 7, okay? So Israel is at war with the Philistines. Very good, okay? And it's not going well. It's not going well. Israel has not been faithful to God, and it's not going well. God is is not really, let's say, fighting for them, okay? They're fighting for themselves. You ever found yourself fighting for yourself? That's not necessarily the way it's going to go very well, right? So it's not going very well for Israel in 1 Samuel here. And so they decide to um, bring out their good luck charm, let's say. Who knows what Israel had that no one else had? The ark, which was the manifest, the place, the connection of the manifest presence of God in the earth, right? And so they said, y'all, we're losing. Let's go get the ark and bring it out to the battlefield, and maybe that'll make us win. So they're literally using God as a good luck charm. Now listen to me. Just a little side note. This is not what the word is about today, but if that's all your religion is for you, you're in trouble, God, his word, his presence is not a good luck charm. We can't just use him when we need him. And if we try, it doesn't go very well. Okay? And so they bring the ark into the battle for good luck, and it doesn't work. And so the Philistines defeat the Israelites. And then the worst thing of all happens. They capture and steal the ark. They take the ark, right? And then they take it in back into the enemy territory, into their own territory. And what happens? Rats, tumors, and terror, right? I mean, it wreaks havoc. <laughs> it wreaks havoc in the enemy territory. Which, by the way, is what happens when the presence of God enters enemy territory. It wreaks havoc, right? And so eventually the Philistines decide, you know, we probably should just send it back, right? So they do, they send it back, and, um, you know, supernaturally it gets back to, to Israel, to the Israelites. And something happens in the midst of all this story. When they bring the ark into the enemy territory, into the Philistine territory, they, anybody remember where they... Put it in the temple of their, their idol god, right? Anybody remember his name? Dagon, right? So they bring the ark of Yahweh, the Lord, into the temple of a statue of an idol, of a demon god, really. And that's what we're going to read about today. We're going to take a few minutes and focus on what happened and look at me, what still happens when the manifest presence of God 
comes into close proximity with idols. Who is the manifest presence of God? The Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ, Jesus. That's right, okay? So we know that Jesus came and was the manifest, the physical manifestation of God in the earth. Jesus Christ was literally the ark in the earth that came into the earth. And now Jesus has ascended back to the Father, right? Because he died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended back to the Father, and now has poured out his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in all the earth and especially upon his church, his disciples, believers, right? And now we are in close proximity to the ark. So what happens? What happened and what still happens? I want you to say it with me. Heart, head, and hands. Are we good? Are we ready for this? Come on, say heart, head, and hands. 1 Samuel chapter 5. Let's read through it. After the Philistines captured the ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside the idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of God, the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back up in his place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time, his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. And that's why to this day, neither the priest of Dagon or anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on its threshold. Come on, say heart, head, and hands. Let me just give it to you from the get-go. The cross of Jesus Christ knocks sin out of the way so that there can be access to the ark. The cross of Jesus Christ knocks idols out of our way, out of the way, so that there can be access to his presence, the presence of the holy God. Remember, Christ, Jesus Christ, was and is the tangible manifestation of God in the earth. The real Ark of the Covenant. Come on, say, Jesus is the Ark. And this is what it basically boils down to. I mean, this is the gospel in a nutshell right here. Humanity. We got any humans out there? We can't free ourselves from sin. Have you noticed? So God himself came into this dirty temple of idols we call the earth. He himself entered the temple and he himself knocked the idol out of the way. He himself broke down the sin that was in the temple, that was in the way. God himself knocked it down. Amen. The end. You can go home now, right? <laughs> Except I still have a little time. So how about I tell you what happens when the ark of God enters our temple? 
of idols. When the cross of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit enter our temple. Come on, say, I'm a temple. Now, I'm, I, you're not going to like this next one, but I want you to turn to somebody and just tap them and say, hey, psst, I'm an idolater. I have a confession. I'm an idolater. Come on, let's say it like, we, like, like they say it in this 12-step program. My name is, fill in the blank, and I'm an idolater. Mm. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I'm no longer an idolater. Jesus has set me free Jesus has come into my temple. He's knocked that thing out of the way, and now I am free. In my heart, in my head, and in my hands, I am free. Are you free? Come on, say heart, head, and hands. So what happens when the cross of Jesus and his Holy Spirit enter our temple of idols, our life of sin and rebellion? Well, the cross frees our heart, the cross frees our head, and the cross frees our hands. Let's go with number one. The first time Dagon fell down, how did he fall down? Face down. And that is a symbol of surrender, right? When you fall face down, it's absolute surrender. If you're down with your face on the ground, you can't do anything. You're in complete, you've completely given up control. Face down, surrender. And when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, the only acceptable attitude and the only acceptable action is absolute surrender of our heart and our total life. Come on, say face down. I surrender my heart. See, the cross frees our heart because when we surrender to Jesus, we come in close proximity with the presence of God. And when you come into close proximity with the presence of Jesus, your heart, our hearts are, are cleansed and purged and freed. So that we can live in closeness, in close proximity to our God who is perfectly holy. See, that's what the, the Philistines didn't understand. They brought that holy ark thinking, I don't know if they thought, well, now we got the good luck charm. I don't know what they thought. But just having the presence of God or declaring the cross doesn't work again I don't prophesy this over anybody I don't prophesy rats tumors and terror over y'all over anybody but the gospel without surrender doesn't work in fact it'll it'll make your life worse when when people know the good news yet reject or rebel against the good news, it's not a good, it, 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 yeah, it doesn't go well. 
But when we come into contact with him, when we allow the ark, the cross of Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit into our temple. Come on, say, I'm a temple. Again, the problem is we're a temple of idols. But when, the, when Jesus comes into our temple, the idols get knocked down. Our heart is set free from the bondage to those things that hold our heart, that grip our heart, that control our heart, that wound, that break, that corrupt us. Our corrupted temple, our corrupted, dirty, nasty, evil heart gets transformed when we fall face down in surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let the ark into your temple today if you haven't yet. Let the cross into your temple. Let the Holy Spirit into your temple. He'll knock that idol down. He'll get rid of the sin. He'll cleanse you. He'll give you a free heart. We call that the new birth. Being born again. The blood of Jesus cleanses us and frees our heart. But listen, y'all, that is just the start. He frees our heart. Come on, say it with me. He frees my heart. And that's just the start. Because once he frees our heart, the process continues. And the next thing that happens is he frees our head. The cross of Christ frees our head. The next day, the first day he fell face down, they propped him back up. Dumb. But they did it, okay? The next day, they came in, and he was not only face down, but his head had broken off, right? His head had broken off. And this is the reality. Once our hearts are free, if we continue to live with the revelation of the cross of Christ, our mind will no longer be controlled by the enemy or this world system. Not only is there a change of heart and a freedom of heart, but if we continue to live with Jesus in our temple, then our, our head, our mind, our thoughts, our perspective will also begin to totally be transformed. We're not going to think like we've always thought. And maybe today you came here and you say, yes, Jesus, I've received Jesus in my heart. But you, you really need for God to free your mind in his presence today. He can free you, but it's not just a one-time thing. You've got to walk with him. You've got to keep the ark on the inside. You've got to keep carrying that cross. And as you do, your mind will be transformed more and more and more. That's the problem. People receive Jesus in their heart, but don't let, them change, don't let him change their head. And you know what? We are what we think. What you think will be eventually what you do. What you allow up here will eventually be what comes out of you. But Jesus wants to free you in your head. Jesus wants to free our mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, actually, if Christ is in us, now we have the mind of Christ. Wow. You can change the way you think. Roman 12, Romans 12.2, a lot of people know this one. Don't conform 
any longer to the pattern of this world. Come on, get Dagon's head off your shoulders. Dagon was the world. Dagon was idols. Dagon was sin. Okay? Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. The renewing of the mind. I don't care what people, the world, I don't care what movies or the news or social media have told you. I don't care what the devil has told you. You can change the way you think. And some people are just stuck there. They say, I just think this way and I can't change it. It's too hard. Yeah, it is too hard. That's why you need Jesus. If I want to think the right way, I've got to let my mind be renewed by the mind of Christ. I've got to get in the word of God. I've got to get the word of God in me and let it transform me. Anybody remember what was in the ark? The tablets, the law, the Ten Commandments, the word. We've got to get the word on the inside of us and let it change our head. I'm sorry I'm so excited. I hadn't preached in a few weeks. But this, I don't mean to yell. I just do. If Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart as your Lord, your perspective will change. The way you see everything and think about everything will change. It will. But you got to get the word that's in the ark. You got to get it in you. We got to carry that cross. He'll totally change and revolutionize your perspective. I just want to encourage you. If you're having trouble in your head, if you're having trouble with your thoughts and with your mind, I mean, who doesn't? Hello. It's like the major battlefield of Lucifer. (laughs) Keep pressing into Jesus. Keep carrying the cross. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep getting the word inside of you. Keep letting the ark stay in that temple until Dagon's head is in the doorway. Irreparable. Oops, now I'm brainwashed. But for real. (laughs) Come on, tell somebody, you need a brainwashing. See, this is the deal. Dagon's head broke off. And also his hands. If you live with Jesus Christ as the Lord and King of your heart. Your heart will be free. Your mind, your head will change more and more and more. But also, he'll free your hands. 
What do I mean by that? Dagon's hands also broke off. When we live with a revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ, we will no longer be controlled by the impulses of our bodies. And don't tell me you ain't got them. Everybody has impulses. Some of y'all won't know what I'm about to say, but if you ever watch the Golden Girls, Blanche always said, I have urges. (laughs) If you haven't watched it, don't, okay? (laughs) Little risque. But everybody, I mean, as long as you live in this earth until our new body, our body is resurrected and made new, we're going to live in this body, okay? Still Surrounded by everything that would cause you to not do good things with your body. To commit violence against other people. What do we use? Our body, right? Our hands or whatever. To commit sexual immorality, what do we use? Our body. To speak lies, what do you use? Your body. And the problem is, without the grace of Jesus and the help of the Holy Spirit, we're all controlled by our body. Rather than being in control of it, we're controlled by it. But how many of you know that's not the way God created us to live and to be and to function? We were made body, soul, and spirit. Our spirit's supposed to be in control, filtered through our soul, telling our body what to do. But unfortunately, our body tells our soul what to do, and then our spirit gets all contaminated. But when Jesus is in our temple, when the ark is in our temple, when the Holy Spirit, when the cross, when we're carrying the cross, we're free from the control of the impulses of our bodies. Listen, I want you to look at your hands right now. Just look at, look, look at your hands in front of you. Your hands... And every part of your body, for that matter, was made for God. In the image of God. Therefore, every part of your body was made for good. Don't buy the lie that you, look, I just can't control myself. That's right. You can't, but you can. You can't, but when the Holy Spirit lives in your temple, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, which means I'm in control of myself. But many even believers say, I just can't control myself. I just couldn't stop myself from doing it. You need to be delivered. You need to be set free in your hands, in your body. So Jesus frees our heart. He he changes our mind. He frees us up up here in our head. But he also wants you to, to give you freedom in your body so that you're in control of your body rather than your body being in control of you. In fact, you're the temple of the Spirit and his presence lives in you. And the good news is he wants to help you. One of the names of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Liz prayed it a few minutes ago. He's our helper, right? 
There's sometimes that are hard and sometimes that are easier, but sometimes I just really need some help to not <laughs> use my hands or any other part of my body for that matter, right? In a way that is not pleasing to God. Anybody need help? Well, good news, we have a helper. And he lives in you, if he does. If you have fallen face down and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, he lives in you. If you have not surrendered, I didn't say if you say Jesus is your Lord. I didn't say if you prayed a prayer or came to an altar, that's good. We'll do that here in a few minutes, okay? But if you have not truly surrendered your heart and life to Jesus, then the Spirit doesn't live in you. But if you have, he does. And if he lives in you, the helper is there to help you. And he wants to help you. That's what he does. He's a helper. He helps. He loves to help. Romans 6.13 says, Do not go on presenting the parts of your body, because we've all done it. Do not go on presenting the parts of your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, and your body's parts. Come on, say my body parts. As instruments of righteousness to God. We don't just serve the Lord in our heart. We don't just love the Lord in our heart. The whole Bible, and Jesus said the most important command is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which comes from your body parts. Now, our entire being is the temple of God. And we can serve the Lord. Instead of presenting, using, offering our body parts to, for unrighteous reasons, for ungodly reasons, we can use our body to serve the Lord. In fact, Romans 12, we, we, we read one verse already, but if you go back and look at Romans 12.1, it says that because of all these amazing things, promises that we have because of the gospel basically because Jesus has come to live on the inside of us he's in our temple by his spirit because we have that the Bible says that now we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice our bodies to worship him that's our that's what it says that's real worship that's reasonable worship To worship him that way, though, you have to be free in your body, in your hands. Come on, say heart, head, and hands. This whole process of freedom is commonly known as deliverance. Come on, say deliverance. And we never graduate from it. The, the thing is, Jesus not only wants to deliver you from your past, but he wants to keep your heart and keep your head and keep your hands free. In fact, the longer Jesus is in me, the longer Jesus is in you, the freer your heart can become. 
The freer your head gets, the freer you get, I guess you could say, from your hands. Freedom. Come on, say freedom in my heart. Freedom in my head. Freedom in my hands. Come on, say deliverance. The longer you carry the cross, the freer you will become. There's a key to all this. It's the key. Dagon got knocked down and his heads and hands, head and hands got knocked off because he was close to the ark. It didn't happen until the ark was right next to him. It's not just because God was bigger than the idol. It's because God came close to the idol. And this is the deal. Rather than trying to, and, and, and I want to ask just for the next few minutes, this is a very important, could be a, could be a life-changing day for somebody in here. If we could just respect the presence of the Lord, hold off from going in and out just for a minute, okay? God is stronger than that thing that has control over you. But you're not going to be free from it just because he's stronger. You're going to be free from it because he's close. God Almighty could with a blink of an eye obliterate every idol in the universe, but he doesn't. But when God comes close to an idol, it breaks. It loses its power. The ark came into Dagon's temple. He fell face down. His head and his hands broke off. That's what God wants to happen in our lives. He wants to free your heart and keep it free. He wants to free your head and get it freer and freer. He wants to free your hands and teach you to walk in freedom. The key is proximity. The key is closeness. The key is to stay close to Jesus. I just want to say this over you. I prophesy it over your life today. Let Dagon fall. In the name of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person in this room, every person listening to this word. In Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, by the power of the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, let Dagon fall face down. May his head and hands be broken off today. In your life, in Jesus' name. There's a new occupant in our temple. His name is the Lord, strong and mighty. He's the king of glory, and no idol shall stand in his presence. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he's the Lord. The mountains melt like wax in his presence. How much more 
a little old idol. But you have to let him in. And you have to keep him in your temple. So just very quickly, I want to encourage everyone in here, bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. This is not a magical thing, but I want you to look inside your temple. Close your eyes and look inside. If that sounds weird, just do it. Look inside. Who is standing and ruling in there? Who's in charge? Who's on the throne of your heart today? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Anything else is an idol. Anything we serve or love or put before God is an idol. And the question is today, have you come to Christ or have you had Christ come into you? Has he come into your temple of idols? Have you fallen face down before the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your heart and your life to him? If you haven't, today is your day. And I just want, because in a few minutes we're going to pray some more really important things. But first, if that's you, if today you're not serving Jesus Christ as Lord, rather it's the first time you make this decision, or, or maybe you said you believed in Jesus before, but you are not serving Jesus today. And today you want to make the decision to surrender your life, to fall face down, to give your life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just pop your hand up and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Okay, I see you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Or if you've been backslidden, gotten away from him, and you want to rededicate, you want to come back home to the Lord today. Is that anybody else? Just pop your hand up, okay? God bless you. Anybody else? Say, that's me. I want to just do this very quickly. Right there in our our seats. You don't even have to stand up, okay? I want you to do this. All of us, let's pray this together in support of those who are making this decision today. Let's say, Lord Jesus Christ, today I surrender. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Come into my temple. I bow face down before you. Jesus, I surrender to you as my Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you conquered death. You paid the price to wash away my sins. I receive you and declare you as my Lord today. I surrender my heart I surrender my life. Wash me. Cleanse my heart. Now I belong to you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand as the worship team comes. I felt so strongly. today during our our worship and prayer time that 
You know, Jesus said something so extremely real and powerful. He said this, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived. In just a moment, I'm going to open up the altar and we're going to begin to just press in to his presence. But I want to tell you this today. The Holy Spirit filling your temple, the Holy Spirit filling you, is the way we get free. Is the way we stay free. Is the way we get freer and freer. Your kingdom come, Jesus. Come on, if you would, just lift your hands and begin to say that. Your kingdom come. Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. And knock every idol down from my life. Break its head off and break its hands off. I will no longer serve anyone or anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare that the enemy's power in my life is broken. I am changed and free in my heart. I am changed and free in my head. And my hands are set free to serve you, Lord, with my whole body. Holy Spirit, drive the evil out of my life. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and fill me, your temple. Set me free. Some of you just need to begin to come because you know you've been, you, 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 maybe you've given your life to Jesus. You've placed your faith in Jesus, but you know there's been idols. You know that there's been idols right there next to the ark. And you haven't wanted those idols to fall. If you've come to Christ, but you're still allowing idols to stand in your life at the same time. Today is an important day. Because listen, if you just try to bring the ark into your life, but you keep your idols, it's not going to go well. But if you fall face down, if you surrender, he'll free you. As we begin to sing, if you need him to cleanse your heart, if you need him, if you need to allow him to change your thoughts and your mind, if you need today, I feel this so strongly for some, some of you really need to surrender your body to him your whole body, your whole life. Just begin to come and surrender. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.